The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Macon and Chris back together again, and they're surprised to see each other's faces. It had been a minute. They both have a couple updates for each other. We talk about Jalen Brown's bag-getting ability and making getting into golf. We also have a Riz Award for Tom Brady for his rumored girlfriend, Arena Shake. And we get deep into the NFL. The Giants signed Saquon. Aaron Rodgers took a pay cut. Andrew Thomas, Trayvon Diggs, Titus Howard, and Cole Komet all got extended. And Chris goes through a couple benefactors. He talks about guys who are going to be happiest because of an offseason signing or addition that happened this season. It's a good time for you. Please enjoy the show, and we'll catch you next week. They call me to breathe. I keep blowing and blowing. I ain't got me nobody. I ain't got me no love. I haven't seen your face in a while, mate. Is that true? I just texted you a couple pictures of my face. But yeah, you're right. Oh. Not like moving pictures like this. It's nice to see you. I've been following you. Uh, don't <laughs> laugh. The don't laugh. What the fuck is this? Oh, this is your golf outfit. Yeah, but but yeah. So in the in the last, well, really week, I've become a golfer. So you're looking at a golfer right now. I'm looking at a guy who needs to go a little bit lighter on the inseam. You know, I was giving Ryan Rosillo a, a lot of shit about the five-inch inseams. I think there's a middle ground here. Also, I don't like your polo. Um, oh, no, that's not a zipper. That's the sticker. You still have the sticker on. I'm assuming you return this polo. That's from the Dick's changing room. Now, it used to be a Dick's that you had to go get somebody to unlock the dressing room. Now you can mm -hmm. just go in there, which I really like. That's a good change. Now... I had been asked by a brother-in-law to play golf. I don't play golf. And I went into Dick's, and what you're looking at there is about $250 worth of golf gear, and it's all Nike, like all of it matches. I don't really look like a golfer. I look like Steph Curry being a golfer, like I'm showing up for a pro-am. But what I yeah. decided is go out there and see if you can make solid contact before you drop 250 chickens on gear. Well, Turns out your boy is just an athlete, and uh, <laughs> and I I hit it straight, and I I hit it pretty far. So I might be going back to Dick's for that outfit, but I didn't purchase that outfit. I would like your your take generally though, uh, on how I look. I think it's too much, too much of the same thing going on. Yeah, I like outfit too. I think I don't like you matching the gray oversized khaki shorts with the gray Nike uh, hat. 
and the brown doesn't go well with the gray. I go, I go outfit too. More of a oversized blue, oversized blue short, gray shirt. I don't understand why the golf hat. short has to be so long. It's the opposite of the Rosillo issue. I I tried a, a seven inch inseam the other day just for your your standard short, and it was too short. I mean, I don't have the quads of a of a Ryan, but yeah, you're kind of in this weird in between stage. You have very long legs. But the, no offense, they're not your most most athletic feature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, and I don't see them often, so I'm also kind of getting over the shock of seeing your yeah, legs. Nobody does. Not even my family. Got to be honest. You got to, like, your calves are pretty pretty solid for what I would have imagined. Holy shit. That's like, but that's like, like Sonny like Liston telling you you got a, you got a good right hand, huh? <laughs> but the one critique is with the, with shorts uh, of this inseam variety, it's hard to tell if there's much definition in your quads and your knees are about the width of your calves. Yeah, very little. Yeah, which is kind of not a good thing. You kind of wanted to bow out. But overall, pretty impressive. Uh, and I would go with outfit too. So you're green lighting golf, huh? I am. So I shot a 103, and like I texted wow. Kyle, your brother. He, I asked him about shoes. If I needed to get shoes, it turns out you don't need to get shoes. You can just wear sneakers. And I was like, hey, 103 was kind of a lot of fun. Then it turns out we only played 17 holes instead of 18, so the 103 isn't as impressive. Yeah, 17, well, the 18th hole, well, one of the 18 holes was, was shut down. But I only used two balls. I hit three pars. My brother-in-law, bless his heart, hell of a nice guy, he's been practicing for like a, a year. He shanked the first drive left into the woods. I was straight down the middle. I was like, hey, you know, beginner's luck. Well, that second par three, I'm right on the green. Cowboy, I damn near hit a hole in one on on 17. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't see the ball. You know what happens when you hit a hole in one? What what, what a sound! Oh, you're not gonna love this. Yeah, what a sound! But you also have to buy everybody uh, beer or a, or a beverage of their choice. The clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna and say. Not, not just your group, not just your group. It's everybody who happens to be present. Yeah. You know, you walk in the bar and you're like, okay, got to get you, 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 you. I would totally green light golf if I could if I could rid the course of all the other people. That was a downer. <laughs> and then rid myself of the guilt of being out of the house for like five hours. Like that was that was a lot. My lovely wife was supportive. Yeah, you can't scale that. You can't scale that hobby. That's the problem with that hobby for you. It's unscalable. It's cool one day to shoot a 103 or a 110 or whatever it would have been. Uh, but like to do that every week, that's going to be a problem for you. By the way, um, make while you were gone, I know you don't listen to uh, our podcast, but we did this whole thing on this glorious Reddit thread about college football coaching rumors. Oh. Uh, and we're not talking about like guys leaving jobs for another job. We're talking about like who fucked who, nice. uh, you know, uh, who banged whose wife, who made some improper payment to who, that sort of thing. Like one of my favorite rumors was Nick Saban hit a hole in one and told the caddy he'd kill him if he didn't if he told anybody because he didn't want to buy anybody drinks <laughs> <laughs> so so i figured that's you um hey golf anything else on golf yeah one final thing i listened to green light pod i think the most recent one um, Oh boy and i think the obvious uh, kind of low energy from studio j to start that's just constructive criticism I think the most sensible nickname. Yeah, you know, I got a timer on today, and we've been talking about you playing a golf uh, golf game for six minutes. So I think the most sensible Washington football team nickname is is Pigskins. 
but I don't know if pigskins would be insensitive because it's like, hey, we see what you're doing. You just, just still want to say go skins and all that sort of stuff. But pigskins, it's right there. Oh, and this whole uh, slaughtering of the animals that we eat is probably going to not be looked highly upon centuries from now. Oh, dude, you know what I'm going to do soon? Uh, veg? I just talked about it. No, I just talked about it. I'm actually going um, to do one of those things where you bury a pig and cook it all day. Oh, thing i'm gonna do it next week oh that sounds really yeah. cool but that involves going to get a little pig that got killed hmm. you know on the other hand i'm still gonna do it speaking of dead uh i want to play alive or dead man we haven't been together for a while i figured matt and the boys could get involved early and often here uh i, I asked matt five minutes ago if he could if he could uh, string together an alive or dead and i think he did so yeah, I got some that are up your alley right here. You know why right. I did this, Matt? Because it's Stanley Kubrick's birthday, and I don't know if he's alive or dead. I think he's dead. He is dead, unfortunately. Long yeah. since dead? Uh, died in the early 2000s, I believe. I think Eyes Wide Shut was his last movie. Oh, very sexual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Tom Cruise is like a foot and a half shorter than Nicole Kidman. Of course, she wants some side dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you. let me ask you this. Matt, if you could live in any any Kubrick film, like uh -huh. live in that setting, because I was going through all the, the Kubrick films, like none of them are comfortable. Like it's either like Full Metal Jacket or 1984 or like, or was, was it? Was, it's probably one of those like British period pieces that he did, like Barry Lyndon about British high society. But yeah, not Full Metal Jacket, that's for sure. I'd want to be at the, a single guy in eyes wide yeah, shut. Yeah, eyes wide shut is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyways, um, all right. I got one for each of you. Okay. Go ahead. So this first one's for Reed. We all know about Reed's feelings about older actresses. Reed, Sophia Loren, four-time Golden Globe winner, famous Italian actress, alive or dead? Alive. I think she's dead. I think she's alive. She's alive. Eighty-eight mm. years old. Still I knew it. that because she's not on my radar yet. How old is she? <laughs> so. Yeah, she's not on Reed's radar. How old is she? 88 years old. Oh, I just assumed that Crushing because she's not Raquel Welch, who is <laughs> who was dead. Don't we? That's who died. Yeah. That's who died. Because all the guys my dad's age were like, oh. Yeah, she's the one on the poster in Shawshank, right? Correct. All right, Chris, this, this one's for you. Uh, and I saw you talking with somebody about the band on Twitter. How about Levon Helm? Levon Helm's uh, alive. No, he's dead. Dead. Reed? He's dead. He's dead. dead. Yeah. He died, died in what? Like, uh, hold on. Let me guess the year. 2003? I will also guess the year, and I will guess 2017. <laughs> it was like 2011 or 2012. Okay, Reed so gets right it. I guess. Yeah, 2012. He uh, was in Shooter, if you recall. He was Gunny yeah. in Shooter. One of World the great... ain't what it seems, is it, Gunny? <laughs> One Guy of the did great a fucking movie drummer with Mark singers. Wahlberg. Yes. All right, and then this week we had, uh, you know, Oppenheimer about one of the great inventors, scientists, making Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the internet, alive or dead? Uh, dead. Still alive. Still kicking it. He needs to do something about, you know what Glenn Youngkin did, making? No. What? You know. I know he's on a waiting list for a, actually, I shouldn't say. But, <laughs> but you know, you know about the porn thing. 
I don't know about Glenn's porn thing. What a fucking masquerade this is. I don't know about you got to show you got to show ID to fucking have to to surf the web and and get your rocks off now. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. In Virginia? Mhm. Yeah, in Virginia. If I got an you use pay, you use pay sites obviously, so. Uh, if if I have an IP address in Virginia, I have to show identification. That's right. Oh, something that's a little bit political in nature. You you got a hello today? I I, I got two things for you. Great Britain. Hello. Yeah, Great Britain, bad day for you. Um, Suez Canal seized in 1954, uh, and the Maldives uh, achieved their independence, uh, I think, in the 60s, uh, all today. So, Great Britain, it's a bad day for you guys, But July 26th. You know about liability and such? Like, is it the sort of thing where Great Britain is like, all right, Maldives, if you love it, set it free sort of thing? Like I no longer have to worry about the the the, the Maldives, like a graduation yeah. ceremony. You're on your way. Make you had a red light. Red light, basketball fundamentals, uh, because he who cannot dribble just agreed to a, a record five-year, three hundred and four million dollar super mac extension. And that's Jalen Brown. And I'm actually going to zag. We make fun of Jalen Brown a lot for not being able to dribble in traffic, out of traffic. But I like this for the Celts. I like continuity in the year 2023 in, in major professional sports. Tatum is 25, I think. Brown is 26, I think. Run it back. You keep getting to the East Finals. You keep getting to the NBA Finals. Keep those two guys together and, and surround them with different pieces. It's bound to work eventually. But $304 million is a, is a ton of money. Good for that guy. Matt doesn't like it. Matt doesn't like it. I don't like it. If he's your second best player, your first player, first best player has to be like one of the best players in the whole league in order to win a title, which I don't think Tatum is. Mm. And I'm not even sure Brown was their second best player last year. Like advanced stats prefer Robert Williams, prefer Derek White. It's just a lot of money to pay him. And, like, who are you bidding against? The maximum that another team could offer him is tens of millions less. Like, why does he have to get that full max? I don't like it for him, for Boston, and I doubt that Jalen Brown plays all five years of that contract as a Celtic. What is a little silly, I think, and Windhorse talked about it on this show, is that he was eligible for the super max because a bunch of media members like ourselves yeah. voted him to an all-NBA team, all-NBA second team, which – and cost Boston more money. Right. And if I'm Jamal Murray this season, I'm like going to be contract eligible at the end of it. I'm doing everything I can to make third team all NBA because you're making 30 million extra dollars and would probably sign what will be the largest contract in NBA history next season. He had a bad playoffs, wow. but I really do like keeping Tatum and Brown together. What else are you going to do? You got to spend the eight turnovers, eight turnovers in the biggest game of the year. Hey, let's let's rewind a year. He was he was the better he was the best player for the Celtics in the finals. No, he's a lot of fun. And it is kind of like an everyman thing to watch a guy dribble the ball off his knee and be, you know, a, a super max kind of player in the NBA. And the way the contracts work in the NBA is funky. Like a few years back, Mike Conley signed the biggest contract in NBA history. It doesn't mean you're the best player. It just means that the CBA happened to work out with perfect timing for you. By the way, are we red lighting the NBA in general? Because in the span of a week, Giannis 
after seeing uh, PSG's Mbappe get paid or offered to be paid hundreds of millions of dollars, like what is it, $700 million or something crazy like that? Yep. This is like CEO money um, to go play for Al Halal. And Giannis got on Twitter and was like, Al Halal, Al -Halal say that five times fast. <laughs> uh, you, you can take me because I look like uh, Mbappe, which was a funny thing, but also, I mean, like coupled with LeBron posting the Forrest Gump running to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> um, GIF, Jeff, I don't know, I caught a lot of shit for my pronunciation of that word. Um, it feels like when two of the best players in the world are willing to make the jump or at least joke about it. a lot of truth is said in jest, man. You know, I think these guys are trying to send a message that like, hey, if you come knocking, I'll answer the door. Um, is the NBA in trouble, Matt? I hope not, but it honestly wouldn't shock me to see like the NBA has a max individual player salary cap, which foreign teams theoretically could go way over. Like there was talk back in 2008 that Kobe would sign with an Italian team for like 75 million in a year. Like there's nothing to keep a Saudi Arabian team or a Chinese team from offering a player a hundred million for, for a single season. And if that happened, it would be disruptive, that's for sure. The bottom line matters, and the money is the bottom line. And what I've learned over the last year, whether it was with golf or soccer or now basketball, possibly at some point down the line, is I, I've just rarely in my adult life seen guys make the right decision when they're faced with a, a choice between, you know, um, keeping their morals or accruing hundreds of millions of dollars. Like everywhere in society, People make choice number two. Why do we think basketball players are going to be any, any different? And I don't care how much activism guys do domestically or that sort of thing. You know, we saw it with China, and you don't want to talk about China because that's kind of a conservative talking point. But, you know, what was going on in China was fucked up, and guys had no problem going there and growing the game. You know, nobody's going to stop because, you know, they're killing fucking journalists um, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think I think the NBA's got something to think about on the horizon here. Can I red light PJ Fleck real quick before we get into the NFL? I just want to red light PJ Fleck. Uh, there was an article and it was in the group text making. We can add you in if you want to see nah, it. But right. uh, front office sports now on the heels of you know the Pat Fitzgerald fi firing. I think some people that didn't like their college coaches. They're like, all right, I see an opportunity here. I'm going to go talk to front office sports or whoever it is. Now, to be fair to P.J. Fleck, most of this article w was, you know, general, you know, um, hey, toxicity, intimidation, which sounds like run-of-the-mill college football. Uh, different rules for different players. All right. You know, and a lot of people unsolicited use the word cult. I can't imagine why. I've never looked at P.J. Fleck and thought cult, or have I, every time I've ever seen him run onto the field or row the boat or his hundred acronyms. You know... I really don't like college football coaches with acronyms. That's always been my thing. If you have over like five acronyms, I don't trust you. If I walk into the team meeting the first day and you got five to seven acronyms for me, I'm tuning you out. Because I don't need, you know, a bunch of shorter ways to say things like ain't done shit, ADS. That was one of PJ Flex acronyms. Uh, fist, family invested, same time, keep it tight, keep it tight kind of an acronym rule breaker there um was what's at stake i mean there's 15 fucking pages of this thing they got the three ring binder that they, that he was given the players 
at Minnesota. He's been there six years. These guys have gotten the same fucking binder for six years. Um, it's got acronyms like he's here. Hydrate, eat, sleep. Okay. Um, he has four pages of quotes. I'm going to read a couple. One million people die each week. You weren't one of them. Okay. You have $15 in your pocket. Top 8% wealthiest in the world. How much do you have in your pocket, PJ Fleck? Um, you know, he gives him this, this binder. It's not just the row the boat mantra, which he actually parlayed into a book. So if you write a book about yourself because you beat Wisconsin a couple times and you turn, you know, Minnesota around first double digit win season in a hundred years or whatever, it's a big deal, but it's not like write a book big. You know, we've kind of gone through this. Where's the Mendoza line for people that should be able to write a book? I mean, here's the worst part. They had a strength coach that used to rep the guys on clapping when Fleck came in the room, okay? He'd leave and come back in if the applause wasn't good enough. Is this Michael Scott? Great question. A, a quick interlude. Uh, uh, Cowboy Reed's inbox was on my screen when I walked into the studio, and so I was faced with either searching it or not searching it, so I searched yeah. it is what I did. Yeah. I did uh, Chris Long, cool, funny boss. And there was one There was one hit. And I decided that's where I would stop. I didn't want to open the thread. But there was yeah. a hit of, 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 of you and cool, funny boss, like, what, like exactly what Michael did. My favorite PJ. So I did that, are you saying? There, Reed, no, Reed has emails in his history, in his inbox, that reflect uh, his liking you. No I do way. That time to time. I do that time to time just to head in case someone does hack my email and then you, so I can, you know, use them as, use it as evidence. So I'll just email random people Smart. and say, and talk how good I, I work with, you know, how, how great everyone I work with is. Cool, funny boss. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sorry I had to lie about you, but. You know. My favorite <laughs> PJ Fleck uh, acronym is family. Did you see this one? Oh, I saw family. Uh, family is forget about me. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is to say like, you're not an individual. You know, look at your teammate. Love is love. But it's like it's, it's like ADS. Fuck. Uh, ain't done shit. ADS. It take the same amount of time to say. Okay. WAS. What's his stake? It's, it's the same amount of time to say. Like functionally, these are not actually acronyms. Like they don't shorten the phrase. When he signed on at Western Michigan, he put out a video uh, that is, it's like, it's it's from 2013. I, I think it borders on parody. I mean, it's like an onion video. Uh, and it's like a college football coach being a caricature of a college football coach. When they were at Western Michigan, they played Who, For Whom the Bell Tolls on third down, which is uh, obviously Metallica song. And he made up, a, and he directed the student body in a dance that he made up that they had to complete every time this song came on. It's three fingers, and it's like one of those big like Wild Stallions guitar imaginary riffs. It goes like this. He actually has a, a fleck bank that you can build up currency in uh, mm -hmm. by praying with him 
like after school, well, not after school, because you never go to school if you're a college football player. You don't have any fucking time. You only have time to go to practice and to pray with Coach P.J. Fleck. Uh, or if he really likes you, you build up currency in the, in, the, in the Fleck Bank. And this is the only thing that could get him into trouble. Uh, certain guys would fail drug tests, but if they had money in their Fleck Bank, they were good. It's <laughs> hey, kind of like the criminal justice system, <laughs> but it's like a, it's, there's a Fleck Bank. So, prayer actually works. Yeah, prayer works. <laughs> Uh, the whole thing. So I'm not a big fan of PJ Fleck. I wanted to red light him. I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete, like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson. Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses, allowing for an extension of self. There's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. All right, let's talk about the NFL a little bit. I got a best guy, worst guy. My, my worst guy since I saw you making is Rodney Thomas the first. I think that's his name because all the headlines were Rodney Thomas the second's dad kills a bald eagle. Uh, and I felt bad for Rodney Thomas. It was actually the day after he was one of the two players on that team who were debuting their new uniforms and he looked great. Uh, you know, it's, it's a real vote of confidence when they call you down to do the uniform thing like preseason or some b-roll for the for the jumbotron because you feel like you, you know you're on the team and you're probably going to play a lot and then the very next day this guy uh gets hit with the you know the bombshell that his dad killed america's bird and he just he didn't just kill america's bird he killed a named eagle the the eagle's name was sam he had been in the pittsburgh area for 20 years and usually uh, I like to go through a checklist. The first order on the on the checklist of whether you should kill an animal or not is 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 the animal protected? Is it patriotic? You know, it's like the two or three P's. You want to do an acronym? The three P's of killing an animal: protected, patriotic. Are people going to be passionate about this thing? Yeah, all three, dude. Got, Four. You got another uh, prison time? Question mark. Any? Yeah, and there might be prison time. Faces up to a year. Yeah. So I mean, like. They waited two months to drop this news because they knew that like 
the town would riot if they found out that it was, you know, Rodney Thomas, well, whoever it was, you'd have to have like a, a black SUV full of police to protect this guy. Uh, people freak out about this thing. I don't know what possesses a guy to kill a bald eagle with an airsoft gun. Any ideas? Is there a worse animal to come across dead than a bird? I know it's like pretty easy to dispose of, but it's like, oh shit, this belongs up in the sky. Like the way they should die is just flying up into heaven, you know? But instead they <laughs> land on the ground and you have to you have to come across them and not their natural habitat. They have the picture of the bird all over the internet and it's it's sad. It's very sad to look at and a little gross. The only reason I could the only reason I could think of that, you know, maybe would bring someone to shoot an eagle with an airsoft gun is maybe he was trying to help the eagle. Maybe the eagle's attacking another uh you know, bird or uh, predator. Maybe it was attacking a golden eagle. Maybe yeah, it was attacking and, a golden, golden eagle. And Rodney Thomas the first is, you know, like, oh, I'm going to help this eagle out. I'm going to pop the other bird. He shoots his gun and, oh, shit. I have no idea what possessed this guy to do this. Uh, talk about a too high shell. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if any of y'all get that, but some of you guys watch football. Uh, Shotgun safety. Too. So, anyways, um, bad deal, bad deal. Um, they waited two months to release his name. And also, the worst part of it, the bald eagle, not unlike the golden eagle, is a monogamous bird. And it leaves behind two children. Oh, so, you know, you got a wife, two kids up in the nest right now. And there's nobody, you know. Um, so, it's a bad deal. And, you know, I, I, I shot off that, you know, golden eagles don't get enough credit take like a week or two ago. And then this happens. Like, I had... I had a fucking fire take loaded up and I can't even do anything with it because now the room's too, the temperature's too hot. People are saying to read the room. Golden Eagle's three, fan. You had three bad choices of words there. Uh, shot off, loaded up, fired, and loaded. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't mean to. But Golden Eagle, 200 miles an hour. Bald Eagle, 100 mile an hour. Golden Eagle, bigger wing, wingspan, longer lifespan, the whole thing. You don't hear about Golden Eagles getting shot by airsoft guns. And so, I mean, like... I, I just I, I still want to stand by that take, but I want to also recognize how terrible Rodney Thomas the first is for what he did. Uh, there's just some animals you can't kill, man. There's some animals you can't kill. Read the room. People are telling me to read the room. Rodney Thomas needs to read the room. It's a fucking there's a lot of ideology behind this bird. You were on outkick within like three minutes, you know, Breitbart, Daily Caller. I mean, like when I was Googling this story, it was all that. It was all mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, we have a birdhouse that sits, sits on our on our deck. It was it's man made. It's a birdhouse. It's I don't know two feet by two feet. It's got a metal roof on it, you know, a nice little yeah. spot. And this bluebird family has nested inside this birdhouse, and it is a treat. We see the family every day. But I was talking to, uh, well, I guess a two year old kid. But I was talking to her, and I said, you know, how do they know? How do all the other birds know that the, the the bluebirds live in this house like that they've claimed it as as their own and then i thought heck maybe it's kind of like humans like how does anybody else know that we belong here you know sure we have a recorded deed at the courthouse but when you step away and think about it it's all mayhem you know this is all make-believe where we are point of the story is these bluebirds personal property the myth eh? yeah these bluebirds are gorgeous got a got a beautiful blue hue to them a nice a nice 
like burn orange chest gorgeous birds bluebird should be the the official bird it's like a, you got a Karl Marx thing going on with uh, <laughs> with uh, with birds, mm-hmm. man. Like mm-hmm. just move into whatever birdhouse you want. Yeah, all the other birds. We got all the bird feeders, so all the other birds come by. The finches, the cardinals, the the morning doves, which I just thought was morning, like morning, afternoon, evening. Nah, it's morning, like I'm sad. Morning dove. At any rate, they all come around and they come near the birdhouse, but they everybody knows to respect the bluebirds and not an imposing bird to respect the bluebirds in the birdhouse. Joseph Stalin, Joseph St- Soren. Nailed it. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Listen to this second yep. story. There was a there was a bald eagle nesting in a development. Builder couldn't build anything because there were bald eagles nesting. And I tell you, if it wasn't right next to Licking Hole Creek, are you familiar with Licking Hole Creek here locally? If you're not mm-hmm. familiar, go ahead and Google Licking Hole Creek, which is a creek that we have nearby. <laughs> I bet here's my bet. Here's my best guy, and this just happened today. This, I'm giving out my best guy award to tra- Travis Kelsey. Okay, like we saw this today. I don't know if you guys are Swifties. If you guys mm-hmm. find Taylor Swift attractive, like, um, or if you know you have a crush on Taylor Swift, but evidently Travis Kelsey does. And he, the the way it goes when you're like a Kansas City Chief or something, or one of these really famous teams, and you're one of the famous players, you get to go to pretty much any concert you want in the stadium, and you get to meet people. It's like my kids are obsessed with Ed Sheeran right now, okay, and they want to see Ed Sheeran, like Meg said. Uh, I saw Ed Sheeran's coming to D.C. or something. I was like, no, we're not going to D.C. We're going to Philly. Like, where there's a 3% chance that I can get backstage and my kids can meet Ed Sheeran. That's the setup you have when you played somewhere. Um, And for me, I'm kind of stretching it. But Travis Kelsey certainly has access to whoever's in the building. You know, that's the way I got to meet Chris Stapleton in Charlottesville, that sort of thing. Like, you got to kind of try to triangulate the meetup. And Taylor Swift, evidently, unbeknownst to Travis, does not talk to anyone before or after the show to conserve her voice. But Travis had, because Taylor Swift has some friendship bracelet thing, I'm not really uh, familiar with her catalog, he had put his phone number on a friendship bracelet uh, and was gonna give it to uh, Taylor Swift, which I think is a real Rizzy move. And I, albeit probably not a move that Taylor Swift is going for, just like knowing what little I know about her, wouldn't they be a great couple? And, and aren't you, I know you're not a big Travis Kelsey fan making, but this is, this is great. I mean, shoot, shoot or shoot. I'm not, not a. What about when Sissy Pass fucking took his shot at Margot Robbie? You were all over it. it Travis Kelsey's hair is not long enough. I, Taylor Swift needs a, a cat with a, with a mane, with, with flowing locks, with, you know, sea long New England era. I just I don't I don't dislike Travis Kelsey. I don't I don't see it as a match. I appreciate the shot shooting. I sure do. I just I don't see it on paper. Now, I think there'd be a great breakup song. I, I got a couple titles for you. Okay. Seems like it's over. Mm-hmm. Talking about the middle of the field. Yep. Okay. Nice. Move tight end, which Travis Kelsey's not a move tight end, but you know, like you gotta move, you gotta leave my house. Uh, and then I, I actually got to give credit to somebody on Instagram here. I saw this one, 87 red. Uh, I don't know if she's leaving his text messages on red or what, but that, that got some play. 
I think Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift would be a great couple. My mom thinks Travis Kelsey's probably too manly for Taylor, Taylor Swift. I think he's probably <laughs> too tall. Uh, the only person that she dated that was like over six foot was, was John Mayer. And he's got short guy energy. Um, so I'm not saying that like he's a little man's complex, but he's like really artistic and good looking. Like that's not really a tall guy thing. So I think Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift would be a great couple. Do you like that couple more than you like Tom Brady and Irina Shake? Um, no, no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm team Tom and, and Irina. Are we saying Irina? Is that how we're saying it? Irina. Irina. Uh, yeah. I look at ages. So Tom's 45, Giselle's 43, Irina is 37. That, fe- 37. that feels about right. I'm, I'm proud of Tom. Tom could have dipped his toes in the, in the 24-year-old waters, and he's going with a nice, mature gal in Irina. Well, you know what's so funny? Like a year ago, Tom Brady, 44, playing in the NFL, talking about playing until he's 50. Like I was thinking things like, Tom's going to retire and be dead in 20 years. Like That's jarring. You know, for a football player, I mean, he'd probably live a long time, avocados and wheatgrass and all that shit. But, you know, his age made me feel like he was a really old guy. When in reality, 45 is not that old. Like, we're about to be 45. I'm going to be just as immature and all that stuff as I am now. Um, He actually appears younger now, now that he's not playing football. And he appears younger because of what you just said. I mean, like, he had every opportunity to do the old guy move, like the Robert De Niro thing. And, you know, wife up a 23-year-old. But, like, 37 is perfect. You know, 45, 37, he maintains his, his, uh, his elder statesman status. But he, he doesn't do the thing that makes guys look goofy. You know, only Leo really pulls it off. Um, and I'm not even sure if he pulls it off. People notice. Tom Brady, eight-year deficit, pretty good. Um, also, if you go down the list of her past boyfriends, She's all over the place. Famous people don't have types. You ever notice that? Like Kate Beckinsale will be with some great looking guy and then Pete Davidson the next day. By the way, I think it's Kate Beckinsale's birthday. I want to wish her a happy birthday. Big fan of Kate Beckinsale. Um, big fan. I, I'm pretty sure it's Kate Beckinsale, big fan, super fan over whatever. there. All right. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. I mean, no, I'm a big fan. I don't read her name a lot. I just put it into Google and do an image search. Nah, okay, fair. so yeah. Uh, Arena Shake has been with Italian businessmen, the Lincoln Park drummer, a Brazilian model, an art dealer, Ronaldo, Bradley Cooper, Kanye West, and now Tom. Kanye West is the one that's like, you know, I, 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 anyways, Bradley Cooper, at least he's got the Super Bowl because, you know, he's probably looking at this whole thing like, uh, fuck you, 4133, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, man. Also, they had like a real sleepover. Like he picked her up, like he had to get permission at the Bel Air Hotel and drove her to his house and then it emerged till 9.30 in the morning. Uh, uh, I love this. I'm it's sorry, awesome. let me back you up. Uh, he, had to, he had to get permission from whom? I don't know, but it feels like a sleepover when you go like pick somebody up. Most people sleep over now after a party or that sort of thing. Like you meet up with somebody at the bar, you go home, you do the thing. And then, you know, like he grabbed that person in Uber, but like he picked her up, drove her home. He picked her up in the daytime, drove her home at 930. I actually am a big fan of this move by Tom Brady. Big fan of this move. Way better than dating Kim Kardashian. I believe in that curse. 
This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the ideal app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. Personally, I love using Cash App savings tools whenever I'm planning a family vacation. I just took my first family vacation as a father. We went to Italy, Kate, myself, and the baby. But keeping track of all our expenses can be tricky, and it was. But it wasn't as tricky with Cash App because when all the prices are in euros, nobody knows what the hell's going on. So when we're renting a scooter, getting an espresso, or sitting down to a course of the Tagliatelle, Cash App had us covered with a separate account that let me track spending and set goals. So whether you're saving up for a trip, a rainy day, or a sunny life, Cash App has the easy tools to help you take control of your money and financial life. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play and see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston. uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. Little giant stuff, well, giants adjacent stuff. Kadarius Tony hurt. Tony might not be up for the first game. I really believe this about Tony. I think he can be the guy for them there outside Travis Kelsey. I mean that that sounds obvious, but what I mean is like a guy that changes the way they do things offensively. And that a guy that whose whose skill set is worth altering a little bit of how you do things to get him the ball in space, and I'm just a big fan of his game. I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, you know what's interesting about the the Chiefs? Travis Kelsey's underpaid. We talked about this at length last week with the running back market. The tight end market's a little fucked up too. You know, I'll use the example of Tyree Kill is making like 16 mil more a year than Travis Kelsey. Same net yardage. Well, not net yardage because. I think uh, Hill's up around 1,700 with his carries and that sort of thing. I don't know what Travis's net yardage is, but these guys are both game changers, and it'd be hard to differentiate who has a bigger effect on the offense between Tyreek and Travis, and he's making 16 mil less. He has a ton of leverage right now. You know, you look at the Chiefs, Tony getting hurt. Who are the options outside of that? Now, Mahomes has been able to, you know, make chicken soup out of chicken shit. Uh, a lot like Daniel Jones. We'll get to him in a second uh, on a major league level. But, you know, like you going into camp, who else is there? And, you know, if I'm Travis Kelsey, your team is strapped for cash. There's no cap room. So he's probably not going to ask for a new deal or something like that. He also didn't seem like that kind of guy. I'm not saying that's good or bad. Um, but he has a lot of leverage, man. And, you know, with the Chris Jones holdout, I don't know how that, that's going to end. I mean, you look at their defensive line. We're doing our team reports right now. Uh, in the AFC West and you know with the departure of Frank Clark like they're going to need guys to step up Chris Jones is kind of the whole thing there so the Chiefs you look at the the state of that franchise and they they're talking about winning multiple championships right like not in a cocky way but like Patrick Mahomes is like yeah I want to you know I want to win more and that sort of thing yeah and you know like the way to win more is keeping the gang together and it's really hard in today's era of football and they've kind of stumbled into it with Patrick Mahomes taking less. I mean, right now, like a lot of people are making a big deal about the fact that he's the eighth highest paid quarterback as a result of the Justin Herbert deal. 
And that'll probably change again with Joe Burrow. So you look at that and you say, okay, they've got this quarterback who's otherworldly, but he's getting paid like, uh, you know, a, a fringe top 10 guy. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got, uh, you know, Chris Jones who wants more uh, and a tight end who's grossly underpaid. So wh- whenever that comes to, you know, to the table, you, you get to really see how complicated it is to keep a great team together. And they've got three blue chip players uh, that they have to get paid. And one of them's underpaid. One of them wants more money. Uh, and one of them is underpaid. And I don't even know if he knows it. So it's like, it's just when you look at how hard it is to win in the NFL and do it year after year, look at the Chiefs situation right now. Everything's fine, but it's really close to not being fine. Um, And I think it's interesting. With the Giants make the Saquon news that they were shopping him, you know, like I sat in the tweet box for 10 minutes and I wanted to tweet at RG3, but I'm just not interested in arguing with people on Twitter anymore. I'll just say it now. RG3's quote was something to the effect of if Saquon Barkley earns all his incentives on this deal, he's still going to make like $28 million less than Daniel Jones or something like that. And I'm like, welcome to the NFL, man. Like, I know we're talking about running backs and everybody's pounding the table. We know it's unfair. But unless you have a solution right now, not like a solution in seven years when the next CBA is up, I don't want to hear that Daniel Jones made his money on the back of Saquon Barkley. It sounds kind of pocket watchy. Like, listen, I understand there's some players that people feel like they can criticize. You know, Kirk Cousins has been that guy for a long time. He's not on Twitter. He doesn't read anything. He's not cool. So nobody's going to get his back. Daniel Jones is the same thing. He's, you know, I don't even, he probably has a flip phone like fucking Andrew Luck. And if I had a flip phone, I would throw it at the TV every time RG3 was on because I think that was really disrespectful. I mean, like, there's a way to make that point without you know, uh, slandering a guy who was throwing the ball to fucking shadow program picture guys last year. And, you know, now he's got Darren Waller. He's going to have Saquon, hopefully, although he could be a trade deadline kind of guy. He won a playoff game last year where he had to throw the ball a lot. Now, Saquon had 58 yards. So I'm I'm not discounting the fact that it's unfair. I'm not discounting the fact that Saquon Barkley should be paid. Um, But what I am trying to drive home is, like, when I got in the NFL – I was told, don't pocket watch. And there's a difference between pointing out discrepancies and that sort of thing and having a, a tinge of, of, of like uh, resentment uh, attached to your take. And I just like, you know, I, I, Daniel Jones is not the best quarterback in the league, but I think he earned his money when it comes to the market at hand right now. And, and that's the thing. The quarterback market's different. So unless you're suggesting that they should have let Daniel Jones walk, and drafted Will Levis at like 24 and given the rest of the money to Saquon Barkley. Uh, I don't know what you're saying. You know, all you're pointing out is that the system is fucked up and you're blaming, you are hating the player, not the game. You know, so don't hate Daniel Jones because I think Daniel Jones has done a lot to earn respect. Not to mention the fact that you talk about like, you know, Daniel Jones has earned this on the back of Saquon Barkley. Maybe you meant to say Brian Dable? Because everything changed when Brian got there, not when, when, you know, it's not like Saquon got there this year. I know he's healthy for the first time in a couple of years, but I think the biggest catalyst for Daniel Jones has been Brian Dable. And, you know, if you want to make that point, cool. But to me, it kind of seemed a little pocket watching. And I see a lot of these takes right now with Daniel Jones and that sort of thing. I got respect for the guy. Get your money. Uh, I'm not going to be giving you the how could you take, how could you maximize your earning potential because that's what we all do and rg3 for instance 
his rookie year, Alfred Morris went for more yards than Saquon Barkley. Now, I know he didn't get paid that year, and I think RG3, had he stayed healthy, would have been a really fun player to watch and a guy I like. We've had RG3 on the show. But are you saying you should have given some of that money back to Alfred Morris? Like, no. That's not the way this thing works. Um, so I know it's not apples to apples, but an interesting kind of comparison. And I'm not saying Alfred Morris is Saquon Barkley. But what I am saying is that the, the, the quarterback position is the core of everything you do offensively. And the last piece right now is usually a running back, whether he's really great or not. Um, and so, I don't know. I just wanted to vent about that. I, I, former Eagle taken up for a fringy top 10 quarterback who's making more money than I ever hoped to make. Uh, that's not a take I'd usually fire off, but I feel for the guy. It's a copycat league. We hear that. Three million times a season, and the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl, and the running backs Pacheco, a seventh rounder. If the model were the Tennessee Titans, if it was Derrick Henry with a Ryan Tannehill level quarterback, then everybody would follow that blueprint. But that's not it. It's it's a quarterback who can win you games, and DJ proved that he can do that with, as you said, Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins and and that crew. Um, and the Giants made the decision that they're going to have a, a better chance of winning moving forward with continuity at the quarterback position than the running back position. The thing that stinks for Saquon is he can go out and run for 1,800 yards, and he probably has even less leverage a year from now simply because he'll be a year older. I thought it was awesome that he signed when he did because he could have taken that deal a month from now and missed camp. He probably could have taken that deal – well, even two weeks from now and, and miss time. But it was uh, his prerogative to say, I want to get back with the guys as soon as possible. Writing's on the wall. I'm going to get what I'm going to get. So that part was really cool. But, there, I mean, look around. Every organization has different – has people with different gigs who make more money than, than some other cat. Uh, it's not a talent thing. It's about how organizations are set up. Yeah, and most organizations don't have a salary cap. They have a budget, you know, and, and that budget grows. And a lot of times you can look at the CEO or the president and be like, people need to make more money. There's money here for people to make, and they're doing the work to deserve that money. But, uh, you know, in the NFL, there is this thing called the salary cap. And, you know, when you talk about quarterbacks and arming them with weaponry, we've been making excuses for Lamar Jackson, rightfully so, for a few years now, I'm a huge fan of Lamar Jackson. I'm excited about them this year. I'm on the Ravens over win total, the whole thing. I love Lamar. But, you know, the first thing you hear is he doesn't have the weapons. And, you know, if you look at New York last year, they won a playoff game with those guys we mentioned at wide receiver. The problem was not the quarterback. The reason they couldn't win the second playoff game was not the quarterback. Now, you, two things can be true. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. Daniel Jones is not the best quarterback in the league. And they're not not winning because of him. Uh, you know, I think I think they're going to add some pieces here offensively this year that are going to help a lot. Darren Waller, you already hear about the connection they have in the red zone and the whole thing uh, in camp. Uh, supposedly it's the thing of beauty. That guy's going to be just as important to Daniel Jones as Saquon Barkley. So, you know, it's just, it's just the way things go. And if you want to talk about the Giants as we get into our extensions, because we got hit with a rash of extensions, uh, Andrew Thomas, big deal, five-year deal. Interesting uh, for a few reasons. Number one, it's interesting because 
I mean, it's like Gettleman's Angels, as Nolan put it earlier. We, I, you know, I've talked about this before. It's like Gettleman takes a lot of shit, and rightfully so. But he sure as hell drafted Andrew Thomas. He drafted, you know, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, he drafted Daniel Jones. The differentiating factor in the NFL is winning. You know, and for a quarterback, especially it's winning because you can't look good if you're not winning. But these other position players, you know, the, the compounding momentum of winning turns these guys into better players. And it's like no surprise that Andrew Thomas, you know, improved as much as he did. Uh, same thing with, with Dexter Lawrence, who just has emerged as this elite inside guy. And these are all Gettleman's guys. And, and Andrew Thomas getting paid, I'm really happy for him as a draft pick. who was a high draft pick, started slow. You know, he started slow. Like after that first year, people were like, ah, I don't know. It's great to see a guy turn his career around and reap the benefits of it. He's got a five-year deal. Uh, and it's interesting because Laramie Tunsil keeps resetting the market uh, every three years. That's been his kind of MO is like, I'm going to take the shorter deals and I'm going to get to free agency quicker. And there's two schools of thought here. I mean, the one school of thought is you want security and that sort of thing. Uh, or do you want to make more money and bet on yourself in three years? Uh, I think Andrew Thomas, I, I can't speculate like fully, but, you know, Daniel Jones getting paid four years you're gonna to have to do his deal again in that span of time Andrew Thomas staggering that deal a little bit gives him a little bit more freedom to work the cap uh, I don't know if that's like the trade-off there for for Andrew Thomas like hey we're gonna make you fucking richer than uh, you're gonna make more money than Trent Williams uh, the trade-off is we want this thing in a five-year deal format mm -hmm. and I think it's just interesting to think about uh, and usually new regimes shed the past regime's mistakes. Obviously, Dable came in, uh, Shane came in, I, I nailed his name, and, um, and they said, I want to keep these guys. And so I, good for Andrew Thomas, good for the Giants. They are building something there. As far as NFC East teams that I hate, uh, and I never like hated the Cowboys because I played for the Eagles, they're probably top of the list. The Giants are probably, I don't care. Oh, You know, they just... I don't care. I don't hate the Giants. Uh, we beat the Giants. You know, no, I'm not flexing. It wasn't like some big accomplishment. I, I, I'm happy for you, Big Blue. I'm happy for Giants fans. Um, okay. Uchenna Nwosu. Nwosu. I nailed it. Um, I've, I've liked this guy. You know, and I, good for him. He, he got paid. Uh, he was on a two-year deal in Seattle, which I think is really smart of them, right? Uh, you know, they're not going to have to compete with the market. They can re-him up in a year. Um, you know, obviously nine and a half sacks last year, very productive. When I watch him on tape, he's not an elite rusher, right? But what he has is he's got this bag of tricks that transcends just the pass game. Just, he's not just a rusher. I mean, he's kind of like, he's got linebacker sensibilities playing edge. And we see a lot of guys with that, you know, you can count the guy that they picked over him in LA and Khalil Mack and that because he's not really a defensive end. He's like an outside backer. But this guy has like off the ball backer sensibilities. Like you can see it. Anything that an offense throws at him, he knows how to sort that information quickly. When it comes to like a tight end off the ball, you know, a lot of guys will see that tight end, but then they can't react once that, once that bend block comes across. I mean, you look at like a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, he gets hurt on a play like that. Nuosu would pick a side, make a play, um, he's going to diagnose things. He's going to come off of coverage to make sacks. I mean, look, the first Denver game when, when, they, when, when they went to Seattle, Nwosu made two really big plays. 
One of them, off-ball in coverage, comes off, sacks Russell Wilson. The other one down at the goal line forces a fumble in the run game. He crosses the tight end's face. He can help you in a lot of ways. So I really like this guy. Good for him. And the best part about it for him is, as a former player, you're very conditioned to think, like, it's him or me. You guys, it's, it's binary. You either hate me or you love me. And in that situation in L.A., they kind of chose Khalil Mack over him. And maybe everybody on the Zoom would have. But you know he was quietly very motivated to perform well in Seattle. And if you look at his productivity, he was more productive than Khalil Mack last year. And I'm not saying that he's a better player, but it's got to feel better for It's got to feel good for him, rather, to get this bag and to put together the kind of year he put together. And Seattle's really good at this, man. Schneider, Carroll, they're really good at putting a team together. And they continue to do it. Like, there was a time a couple years ago when we were like, Pete Carroll's dad, man. Like, you know, he's just, the game's passed him by, the whole thing. They're drafting Jordan Brooks. Like, why? Why would you draft an off-the-ball linebacker? They, you know, they don't, they, don't less, they don't let Russ cook. You know, they're the problem, not Russ, the whole thing. All they've done is rebuilt the thing. Um, and it's been pretty impressive watching them do it. Trayvon Diggs, um, 19 for a year. He's tied with Lattimore for fifth in the market. Uh, big deal for him. Uh, and, you know, like in the NFC East, you can't ignore the fact that coaches and GMs think this way. Who do I have to beat to win, you know, to, to, to get into the dance, to win the division? You know, like you look at Buffalo trying to chase Kansas City because that's another level of, of hierarchy in the NFL is like winning the AFC. You, you know, and that cat, that cat and mouse game changes every couple of years because before you know it, Kansas City, oh, we're going more gap scheme. We're going to pound the ball. The receivers aren't the, the focal point anymore, that sort of thing. And, you know, you saw the way the Bills beefed up their pass rush, that sort of thing. Uh, it's the same thing with Diggs, and obviously he was going to get re-signed, but you've got to beat Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And, you know, you don't want to be in a shootout with those guys every game. And you were anyways last year, but if you can help it, you want your best player in the back end, your biggest ball hawk, uh, locked up, 19-4 year, good for him. I can remember – as a rookie, uh, you know, this was like the first year of the podcast. I remember Brian, who was booking the guests for me at the time, along with myself, was like, hey, do you want this Trayvon Diggs kid? You know, it's Stephon Diggs' brother. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, I guess so. He was doing a deal with Gillette. So it was like a promoted interview. And he popped on and he was the nicest kid in the world. Uh, but also not a guy that I thought would rise to these heights. And, and he's been great. So Good for him. You know, it's a big shadow. Like, you know, like uh, making used to bust my balls about she used to call me shadow um, because uh, because he, he's nodding his head because of my dad. Imagine having a brother that good and entering the league uh, a couple years after. And this guy's setting the league on fire, like, you know, on a lesser scale. I can remember when Kyle got in the league, he was real nervous because, he, you know, he was filling my dad's shoes and he's got a brother who's playing in the NFL. That's a tough deal, and he's really made the most of his opportunity. I, I got nothing but respect for the guy. I said shadow one time because you called me heat stroke because I nearly, I, I nearly died on the on the tennis court at the state tournament for crying out loud. I'm not, a, I'm not a mean guy. I wasn't nodding my head. I was shaking my head. I don't think, I don't think it was one. But Titus Howard uh, is is the Houston tackle. He's a right tackle. Uh, Eighteen seven a year uh, is is that deal. Fourth in the right tackle market right below Ramchek and above Brian O'Neill. Um, 125 million in protection going 
down to Houston this year for Stroud. And I think that's great. I think, you know, like you can criticize, you know, the way they drafted with Will Anderson and giving up that much and that sort of thing. But they obviously have a plan. We want our quarterback of the future. We want the trenches solidified, especially the offensive line. And over the next one or two years, you know, uh, signing guys like Robert Woods, uh, affordable pieces that are going to help a young quarterback, it's going to give way strategically to signing bigger splash players and trying to trying to build this thing up. So I think it's a really good process by Houston. We're big fans of what you know what they're doing down there. I, I, we're really excited about that. And you know, one of your favorite coaches is down there, Matt. Um, what's his name? Coach Ryan's. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Did you see the uh, you see the breaking news while we were recording this? By the way, I didn't. I'll just, uh, I'll just read it. In. Aaron Rod Aaron Rodgers voluntarily took a thirty five million dollar pay cut on his two year deal with the Jets. This will this will allow the Jets to move to acquire more talent than they would have under the contract they assumed from Green Bay. No team sport player is thought to have re revised his contract in such a team focused way in the past. He makes less than Daniel Jones now. Well, it's a lot like, and first off, good on Aaron Rodgers, okay? Um, guy wants to win. You're putting your money where your mouth is. Now, I'd have to see the details of this. Cause a lot of times you see guys restructuring, and, right. you know, it's couched as a pay cut. I can remember one time I restructured my deal in St. Louis, and people thought I took this big pay cut, and they were <laughs> congratulating me on Twitter for a day and a half. No, not so. I'm getting that money later. But um, cool. I'll roll with it. Aaron Rodgers – He's trying to win right now, and he knows there are some holes in that mm -hmm. roster, and they have an opportunity uh, to fill those holes. And, and, you know, like, I think this is leading from the front, man. I, you can say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. If this is true, fuck, this is, like, unprecedented. And on top of that, the twisting of the knife is the, the folks in Appleton are like, why wouldn't he do that here? <laughs> you know, uh, it's a lot like when a, a guy – remarries and all of a sudden he's doing the dishes and he's, 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 he's taking the trash out and he's, he's on his game. And, you know, his ex is like, you never did that for me. Um, well, uh, he's happier in New York. And uh, if that doesn't last long, no big deal because they, they, they got what they wanted. They got an elite quarterback at a discount now and they're going to need it because when you look at the AFC East, uh, the best roster in the AFC East is the Dolphins. And I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, like, I think it's however you define close. It's the Dolphins. Uh, it's probably the Bills after that. Just looking at their defense, you know, Diggs, uh, talented tight ends, Von Miller, Josh Allen, the whole thing. And then I think it's New York. And New York's going to have to do some things to make up some ground, as good as they're going to be if they want to win the whole thing, which is why Aaron Rodgers is there. Wow, Joe Douglas. I mean, fucking, he's he's the whisperer. Fly on the so, wall. I'd love to be in that meeting. See Joe's face. Sala seems happy. Sala today said of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, the guy glo just glows in the dark. <laughs> it might be the ayahuasca. Was he... <laughs> well, if he glows in the dark, then I'm not so impressed with the whole, you know, darkness thing. All right, so let's parlay the extension talk into who I think the biggest beneficiaries are in the 2023 season. And by this, I mean, I had a hard time texting this out last night, but I, I thought it'd be interesting to look at players, coaches, people in the NFL who are going to benefit greatly from the presence of somebody new 
or a change in the way that their team does something this year. And I think it's it, it's a good exercise because players are not players the same player every year. Like in the NFL, the variability in how somebody's career goes, a lot of it has to do with context. I mean, you know, we have these conversations all the time, the context, the nuance around the running back position, the quarterback position, the whole thing. Uh, Justin Herbert, huge deal, record-breaking deal, right? We, we knew it was a matter of time. A lot of money for a social media QB. Um, $52.5 million per year, top of market. The interesting angle is like, what does it mean for Joe Burrow? You know, and Nolan and I were talking about this earlier. Joe Burrow's at camp. He seems like he thinks everything's fine. Maybe this is just a waiting game to actually get the deal done. Like it was kind of a placeholder deal. And then we wanted to see what Justin Herbert did and top that. Um, maybe the deal's already done because he doesn't look like he's sweating over this thing. And, you know, again, like the Chargers, the, the Bengals, they're not like cash happy teams. So big victory by Justin Herbert. You'd have to be so transcendently good and talented. I mean, because a lot of people point out that he hasn't won anything. A lot of you that are pointing that out would probably rather have Justin Herbert uh, than the quarterback you have on your favorite team. Uh, and the interesting thing about him and the way he, I think he's going to get better this year is, you know, we're just scratching the surface. The Joe Lombardi offense was tailored for a quarterback with like average talent. So let me get this right. The benefactor is Kellen Moore. The beneficiary is Justin Herbert. Uh, and, you know, like Moore, if you look at his, his, his play sheet, it's like, it's fucking this, it's like a turnout book. It's, and you've got a big menu, but it's based in spread. Like, so when you looked at Justin Herbert, it's spread. Like he was just, or at Oregon, he was a spread guy. I mean, like Lombardi, you know, you had all this underneath stuff. You didn't maximize his talent. I think Kellen's going to do wonders for him. I, I think, um, you know, another thing with, uh, with Kellen Moore, adding him to the equation is, if you look at Justin Herbert last year inside the 10, they weren't very good. Like the low red where your money's made, the difference between scoring 31 and 23 points a game, that sort of thing, it's in the low red. And, you know, like, I think they were at the bottom of the league uh, inside the 10 last year. They were the worst point differential versus expectation in that area. And if you take it a step further, Dallas was number one in the red zone last year. Better than Kansas City, better than anybody. So, you know, and you could chalk that up to a run game, an offensive line, that sort of thing. I don't think it's that simple. Um, and I think Justin Herbert, with the weapons that he has, is going to have his best year yet. And if Brandon Staley doesn't fuck it up, this team should be there deep into January. Uh, and that's what he's going to have to do to satisfy people. And that's the way this game goes. So Justin Herbert, congratulations. Uh, seems like a great kid. Doesn't seem like he's going to spend his money on much at all. Uh, he's got a little Andrew Luck in him. Uh, but he's a simple guy. You know, I don't know what you're going to do with uh, 52 a year. But uh, good for him. And more AFC West adjacent stuff. I think a big loss for Kansas City is Orlando Brown. You know, the, you know uh, Donovan Smith from Tampa. I don't think it's an upgrade. Um, certainly not in every phase of, of the game. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to replace Wiley as well. Uh, so there's a lot of change at tackle, but Orlando Brown is going to be a beneficiary of, of blocking for Joe Burrow. Because if we know anything about Joe Burrow is his timing is on point, his drop target, which is a thing a lot of people don't think about as a pass rusher for many years is the first thing I looked at with quarterbacks. We used to chart it is where is this guy settling in the pocket and taking that step off his back foot to deliver? 
uh, Joe Burrow is the quickest in the league. I mean, he's up there. I mean, you know, as far as when you combine release and drop target, he is a tough guy to rush. Uh, and I think he's got great vision. Orlando Brown, and I'm not taking a shot at Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes used to bail at will. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he'd settle at nine and, and drift to 11, and you don't know where he is, and that's tough for offensive linemen. Now, the trade-off is you got the best player in the world playing quarterback for you. He's not upgrading, you know, with Joe Burrow, but what, what it does do is it makes Orlando Brown's job a little bit easier. Uh, that's a real thing, especially the guy who struggles with speed a little bit. you got to run through him when the ball's out quick. So good for him. Uh, I also want to throw Mike Gusecki in the mix here. You know, I'm a big fan of Mike Gusecki. I've been talking about, you know, the fact that the Dolphins should have traded him to New England, I think, last year. Not New England. I, th- I forget where Packers. It's. The Packers. Well, that would have sucked for him. Uh, but Mike Gusecki in New England with Bill O'Brien barely got any action last year. Uh, O'Brien loved using the tight end at Bama. You know, they had a pro spread system. Uh, and the New England offensive philosophy has always been to try to dominate the middle of the field, although they haven't gotten a great ROI on guys like John o. Smith. Uh, Hunter Henry can settle into more of that inline guy uh, role, and Gusecki, you can split him out. You can do a ton of stuff with him. So matchup problems, middle of the field, play action pass, seam stuff. Um, I like it. I like it for him, and I like it for the Pats. Here's a tight end for you, Reed, that you might like, and I think he's a big beneficiary in 2023 he's a guy that i'm really excited about do you have any guesses uh well i would maybe guess adam troutman only because he went from the saints to the broncos that might be my only thought you're you're getting warmer it's greg dulcich pretty boy is he a pretty boy oh he's great his his long hair is just gorgeous gorgeous? (laughs) yeah he's a he's a hot guy and i really like the sound of that can you look that up make yeah dulcich Gorgeous. Uh, not go to uh, football player. Okay. Well, Dulcich, um, he got five and a half targets last year over 10 game span. It's not a huge sample size, but I really liked what I saw from him. You know, like another thing with him, the targets were really variable and he caught the ball from Mark Rippon like a bunch. Okay. So, uh, and I don't know if that's much worse than catching the ball from Russell Wilson last year. Cause I went back and looked at every target that this guy had in 2023 or 2022 rather. And let me tell you, Reed, there were a lot of uncatchable balls. I mean, Russ was throwing him some stinkers. Uh, some games they didn't really get the ball to him. Some games they threw him the ball like 10 times. So uh, I, I think he's going to get a lot more action next year. I thought that anyways, um, but he's a backup high school quarterback. And you know, Sean Payton loves these joker guys. You know, he's, he's foaming at the mouth over Greg Dulcich. Um, he's saying we've been. I've been lucky. I've had Jeremy Shockey. I've had Witten. I've had Graham. Today was one of those days where you have a vision, and he's talking about Greg Dulcich, and he's saying, you know, when Sean Payton, who we've had him on the pod, he, he's no stranger to telling you how he feels, right? Like, if anything, he's going to give you a little bit more than he probably should. But all indications are they're going to use this guy a lot, uh, and as he defined a Joker player. Uh, he said, not a receiver. It's a running back tight end with exceptional ball skills, and then you can work matchups. This guy's always been great after the catch. You watch him catch the ball, make people miss. I think he averaged 17.6 yards per catch at UCLA. The guy can make a difference for you. And that backup quarterback thing, you know Sean loves that. So if we're tired of Taysom Hill, you might be hearing a lot about Greg Dulcich. 
and that's what I was going to say. His his yards after the catch are uh, were really good in last year's offense, and that's not even that's without Sean Payton. And you know he can scheme up well for like you were saying for a for a tight end. Um, I'll say just now that we're talking about Sean Payton, uh, some beneficiary beneficiaries are uh, all the former New Orleans Saints guys that have been that are now no no longer on the Saints roster, but now have been scooped up by Sean Payton. Uh, because they're out there. So, little Jordan Humphrey, Marquez Calloway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got uh, Michael Burton, who's now the fullback for the Broncos. Tony Jones Jr., Adam, Adam Troutman, who I mentioned. All those dudes are former Saints that uh, now have jobs because um, Sean, Sean Payton's back in the league. And we didn't even mention Jared Cook, my old teammate, who, who had a great year under Sean Payton, great couple years. Uh, that was like his prime. Uh, and that offense, again, context uh, is a big part of it. And same thing with Ben Watson. He had Ben Watson looking like, you know, a number one receiving tight end at times. So, you know, he's always gotten a lot out of that position. I think this year he's going to get a lot out of Greg Dulcich. And uh, I think he's going to have a really good year. David Montgomery, man. This is what I'm excited about. David Montgomery. Uh, I never thought that Chicago's offensive line was physical, even when Kyle was there. But needless to say, he kind of walks into a situation where the offensive line is not known for physicality. Now, Kyle's a grizzly bear, but not everybody on that offensive line was like that, and their, and, and their scheme didn't really lend itself to physicality. He's a physical back, right? Um, and that, that offensive line in, in Chicago is not – is not anything to write home about. It wasn't last year. They're building it up, that sort of thing. But like for a running back, you talk about a short prime. Like I want to be somewhere like Detroit. And you talk about all those guys moving on a string last year. It was a thing of beauty to watch. I mean, they're not only good players, but they're well coached. And, you know, when you talk Dan Campbell, uh, his commentary on how excited he is about David Montgomery, it's not just the run game, it's also the pass game. I mean, that was a differentiating factor for him. When it came to Jamal Williams, who everybody loved, Swift, who's in Philly now, um, you know, like letting those guys go and coveting somebody like a David Montgomery tells you how how much, uh, you know, in division too, leaving Chicago, going mm-hmm. to Detroit. It's a really good move for him. This offensive line's damn good. I think he's going to have a nice year. And Jamison Will- Williams, if he if he if he's healthy and he's he's back and that sort of thing uh, at some point is going to help lighten the boxes there. And I, you know, I don't know about box counts in Chicago, but I'm sure they weren't very good uh, for a running back. And I think, uh, I think things will be better for him in Detroit. David Montgomery didn't do himself many favors though. uh, A week or two ago when he, when that video was posted of him with the workout band, he was, uh, it was the weighted workout band tied to the wall and he was trying to run against it. And he got maybe 10 yards, tried to stop and then ended up on his behind. Oh boy! Uh, back to the wall, but well, you you want to um, if you want to get hurt in the off season, that's the best way, you know, because you're working out for football, you know, and, uh, unlike Hines or uh, you know, fuck, make we didn't talk about uh, what's his name? He didn't get hurt. He had a dog emergency, but uh, Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, 140 miles an hour up in Eden Prairie, um, fucking kidding me, man. Uh, and by the way, dog emergency, I don't buy it at all. There's no dog emergency at 3 a.m. Uh, how does that work, Make? Talk me through it. You're at the club or what, wherever you are at 3 a.m. Somebody at home's like, there's a dog emergency. Well, take the dog to the fucking vet. Uh, I can't drive. Like, wh- wh- So I got to get home. Like, it makes no sense to me. 
I, I will say the only dog emergencies that happen tend to happen on like a Sunday night, midnight, when your your normal vet is closed and you have to go to the emergency vet where they'll they'll charge you three times the amount of a normal visit just to just to put a uh put a volume up the backside of uh of your pooch so i can't envision the the scenario um and if i'm driving 140 for anybody it, it would be the rabbit may i shout out tyron matthew um you know i think especially this day and age we're afraid of sometimes asking um questions for fear of sounding dumb and, and getting embarrassed but he asked the exact question I had on my mind when I read that Jimmy Graham was rejoining the Saints. He said he was talking to him in the training room for a few minutes and then uh, decided he was either coaching or helping out with the coaching. So he said, are you coaching? And Jimmy said, nah, I'm playing. And Tyron said, <laughs> okay, you, well, you look good. <laughs> look for, Looking forward to it. But good for, good for the honey badger for asking the question. That's an awkward scene in the training room. So what are you going to be coaching, yeah. tight ends? Nah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an awkward scene. It's an awkward scene. So you're telling me Jimmy Graham's coming back. Jimmy Graham is signed with the New Orleans yeah. Saints. How long has he been out of football? Since 21. So he's been out uh, two, two, two full seasons. Yeah. Two full seasons. And I've been out how long? Uh feels like four. an eternity four. Yeah. Four. Four. yeah i know it does mm. believe you me same thing uh <laughs> jimmy graham is also two years older than gronk so if you want to put in your you know gronk bets that maybe he might show up on a team this year wouldn't be the worst jimmy's thing. 36 jimmy graham and gronk feel totally different physically i guarantee it uh but i really i've been working out hard up here and the other day i almost texted joe douglas to be like yo bro i mean like <laughs> if four people get hurt just holler i'm up at 253 i'm feeling good i've been running i've been running a mile at least every morning wow. making wow you know how out of the box that is for me um yeah four years out honestly i think this is the year but like august or like december like beginning of october that's usually where i turned it on okay you know the thing that jeff fisher told you don't retire in months that start with jay does that also go for unretire i think so I think yeah. so. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can't unretire in January. It's the playoffs, right. uh, and you don't want to do it in the summer because you don't you don't want to show up at camp. Like I, the best part about unretiring is, you know, it's slipping in the building when everybody's already done the hard work. And you know, when I almost unretired in Philly, I came in the building and I thought everybody had already done the hard work, and then I had to sit in a meeting with Jim Schwartz for three hours. I'm like, well, buddy, we've already like we've met a bunch before. I'm not like a new human being. So I, I think, you know, when it comes to unretirement, it's a dance. You got to time it right. And um, doing Eric Weddle, he came back like just for the playoffs, right? With the Rams that one year. I would like, do it. No bullshit. I think I would do it this year because I'm finally taking care of myself to the point where like, I feel like if somebody hit me, I wouldn't fall apart. You know, I can give you 10 to 15 a game. No problem. Uh, so yeah, Joe, you got a little cap space. Yeah. You know, um, Holler your boy. Chris Long, beneficiary of Aaron Rodgers' cap restructuring. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, I'd skip the vaccine for that. <laughs> we got some jersey number issues in New York, though. That might be a problem. Yeah, it's all good. We'll worry about that later. I did like they're all whites, though, that they debuted. All right. That's, uh, that's football. Good to be back with you, Make. Likewise. Let's do it again. 
fight you with my plan. 